Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today we're thrilled to be joined by Ileana Sosa, who's the director of the movie What We Leave Behind. And I wanted to start by talking about the initial scope and the initial idea that you had for this film, because in filming over the course of seven years, I'm sure that the end version of the film um, has a lot of similarities to what you envisioned, but also in some ways is a very different film from when you first started filming, because you also started filming everything by yourself and then built a crew and, and found funding along the way. Um, and so what what was that tangent of where the film has ended up landing and, and existing in the world based along the initial conceptualization of what you had when you started filming your grandfather? Um, yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's it's a pleasure to be here with you. Um, yeah, the, the film changed quite a lot. Um, when I started this project back in 2014, my original intention was to uh, document um, my grandfather's work as a bracero. And for those listening that may not know what that program was, uh, during World War II, the U.S. government contracted uh, Mexican farm workers uh, to work the fields all over the U.S. And my grandfather was one of these men. So he spent months at a time um, working from Texas to Oklahoma, New Mexico, all these different states. And a lot of these men have passed away and so have their stories. And I, you know, wanted to get closer to him, but also understand what 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 those experiences were like for him. Um, but I never imagined that I'd be filming for seven years and let alone filming, you know, up until he was really sick. So um the, the film shifted a lot in those years and through funding and different collaborations, what you see now and the focus on him constructing this house. It, that really became the focus, especially after I met my wonderful collaborator, Isidore Bethel, who's my editor on the film. Uh, we really saw the richness of that material um, in, in, the, in the construction of the house. That's amazing. And, and, you know, I think there's so much intimacy in the film and I'm sure that you going in and just kind of starting to film yourself at the beginning is, is probably some of what led to that as well. What, what was that shift for you when you started to bring the rest of the crew on board and kind of like had a cinematographer and had someone else operating the camera and really making sure that you were still capturing that same intimacy as if you were the one just having a conversation and the camera just happened to be there. Yeah, that was an interesting process. I, you know, the first time I went, I went with just a, a, a small camera, of EX1, that I'm not even sure if people use that anymore. But I went there, you know, I took the bus with my mom and she was very much my producer uh, on that trip. And it was just me. And then later when I got my first grant, I uh, worked with Monica Weiss, who's this amazing cinematographer based out of Mexico City. And then later with Judy Fu, who's a, an, another frequent collaborator of mine based in LA. And, but it was always just a uh, maximum crew was three of us at a time. So that I think allowed for that intimacy to continue, even though I was working with these amazing cinematographers. Um, we would stay a week or so at a time at my grandfather's house and actually stay there and be with him. So I think that also allowed for that. But I think, you know, in something that I'm, uh, it's interesting because I'm doing my first work for hire as a uh, director on a, on a documentary episode now where everything is really fast paced and rushed and, and the edit, all of that in contrast with this, we, because we were there at a week of a time, you know, we could pick up the camera when we wanted to and say, oh, let's, you know, let's uh, film this or also 
if there was something happening, we had the moment and the time to play. And I think playing and, you know, we, we attribute that sometimes with just fiction filmmaking, but I think in documentary, it's the same. If you have the time and space to set up a shot and really think about what it is that you want, rather than just needing to get it to get it, then I think that's what allows for that intimacy to happen. And I think with, with the collaborations that I've had, I've been very lucky to have, um, you know, a team that's been really open-minded to that and also, um, you know, really willing to, to, to play and to experiment. And obviously one of the things in filming is in documentary that you kind of never know what's going to happen in front of the camera. But what's really beautiful is that there's these small moments, you know, watching him make an egg or watching him sit there with a fly swatter tells us just as much about him as when he's telling you stories directly to the camera at the same time. Did you kind of go in with it with an idea and an essence of, you know, there's going to be these moments where nothing's necessarily driving the story or driving character, but it's going to still tell us so much and wanting to, to have that element of just the ambience of the day to day that we get from the film yeah I you know it's interesting that you say that because I had a conversation recently with a filmmaker who was starting to to document her grandmother um, in China and she said something that inspired me about your film was seeing these small everyday moments and how they're actually you know important and you know, she said, I'm going to go back and, and film more of that. And I thought that I had all this footage of her just doing what we would think are mundane things. And like, why is that interesting? And I thought, oh, I, you know, I think for me in filming those moments when my grandfather was making the egg or uh, just, you know, quietly sitting there, I think for me, that just speaks more, sometimes even more visually than someone saying something to you. It shows so much about their character, but also the way that they move around in the world and that rhythm and that pace of life was very much him. I mean, one of the scenes that I always still laugh is when he's sorting these beans and, you know, my uncle's telling him, oh, go, you know, the, the flower guy is here and he's like, oh, you know, he can wait. And, and so that just says a lot of just how he was, right? Sort of always living in the moment. and. Um, I think we would be, what's really been surprising is the impact that this film has had on so many people, but it's precisely, I think, because of the specificity of these like everyday moments that people can relate to, right? Everyone has had a, an elder say those kinds of things or just be, and I think the more we can lean into that specificity and in these everyday moments, I think that's what, um, for me, I just see beauty in that. And um, yeah, I hope it, it resonated in that way. <laughs> It, it did. And I also, I love that he would kind of start each day by asking you, you know, what do you want to film today? What do you want to do? And so it sounds like he was very game with the process of making this film with you from the very beginning. What, what would those discussions look like between the two of you when he would ask you that question each day? Because I'm sure that, you know, you had ideas, but also that it's being led by what he's doing that day. So it's kind of going yeah. two directions. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think at first, um, and like I say, you know, well, in the, in, you know, it, for me, this film really allowed me to get closer to him. I'm fluent in Spanish, but my grandfather speaks a very specific, um, you know, very, has a very specific, had a very specific way of speaking. And I, oftentimes I didn't understand him. So I think allowing him, and it's not that it was even me allowing, but it was, it was really a collaboration at the beginning where he would be like, let's, let's go here and let's go to that, you know, the, there was the scene of the house of the hundred doors. Like I was always intrigued by that story. And, but it was his idea. He's like, let's go there. And I want to, 
And I asked him, well, what's the story behind it? So I think that collaboration really allowed us to get closer together, but also I was happy to have him show show me his town in the way that he saw it right through his eyes. Um, but I never felt like it was intrusive or like, well, why do you want me want you want why do you want to show me that? I think as a documentary filmmaker, you need to be open to all of that. Um, because for me, I think it's an enormous privilege to have somebody, and in this case, I mean my family really open their hearts to me, but also be very just open. And I think as a doc filmmaker, you have to be very receptive to that because um, it's, this is, you know, people's lives, right? It's not um, a script that you're following. It's, it's someone's life. And I've also heard you talk about part of the journey of making this film being that at the beginning, you kind of felt like it really needed to tap into these bigger themes and topics and discussions. And then there was this realization that that just putting the camera on him and his life in the present was enough to tell this story. What was the moment during filming where you started to kind of have that recalibration of, you know, it's the intimacy that really is what's special here and is going to tell the story? I think, it, you know, to be very honest with you, I didn't think I realized that that was what was happening in production. I think we discover that in post-production. Um, and I really attribute a lot of this to Isidore, who I had a very different version of this film that was maybe more of your traditional documentary, more interviews with family members. And we shifted gears um, once I presented this cut to him and he came back with pages and pages of notes. Um, it was really astonishing what he was able to articulate. And I thought, wow, this is someone I really want to collaborate with. So we started going towards that path and sort of in exploring the intimacy sort of, we, we, we started from scratch and I went back and filmed my grandfather film, you know, constructing the house and we included that. So it was really a process of discovery in the edit and in post and listening to what the material was trying to tell us. I think that's the beauty also of, of doc you sort you discover that story in in the edit and the footage in many ways tells you what it wants to be so that's how we how we came upon um what you see and and did that idea of the material really telling you what it wanted to be and, and in essence kind of the pacing of his life and the things that he would do in the day-to-day -day, did that really end up dictating a lot of the pacing that we see in the film because it is really lovely how much we get to just sit in those moments and and it doesn't feel like we're jumping around into five different things really quickly yeah absolutely yeah and so there was I think one of the first scenes that really um I remember Isidore and I having extensive conversations about it was that interview with Jorge which is really strange, right? I mean, there's a lot of silences, a lot of pauses. Uh, we're both sort of figuring out, you know, each other in that conversation, but also I'm not quite getting what I expect and that's okay. And so all of those silences and pauses, I think are very um, reminiscent of the feeling of this town and of the pace of life. So the scenes definitely did inform the edit and the slower pace and especially the long takes. Um, so in many ways that informed the pacing of it. Yeah. And even just like, and you talking about like conversations with Jorge on camera, you know, I, I love that we get these little snapshots of, of a lot of the other family members, you know, even just a simple moment, I think it was Rosie who was doing the crocheting at one point. Yeah. 
um you know and her just kind of very simply being like I love it it's it's very relaxing to me it's like okay immediately we have a sense of who you are and probably your dynamic in the family from this one little snapshot moment um how did you kind of figure out and find from everything that you were filming how you wanted to introduce us to the rest of the family and find those again just like those small moments like that that give us so much essence of the family dynamic as well yeah I mean it um I think yeah it's interesting because we were very careful and wanted to not spell everything out all the time and I think you know with Jorge he um he is he is blind and we were very conscious of like revealing that information in a certain way where you know it was like careful but also thoughtful and I think that's with Rosie my cousin same thing um you know, she just happened to tell me she loved to crochet and that was, would give her some peace of mind. And, and so I'm like, oh, let's film you doing that and and have this conversation with you. So I think, um, we, that happened in production, but also in post we were, you know, we're trying to figure out what this, it took us a while to figure out the structure, but, um, you know, Isidora and I landed on, you know, we're more in the, in the boat of, okay, I think less is more, um, which sometimes you don't find that right in, in documentary films. It's, it can be a lot of information at once, but I think for us, it was important to create this film as an experience. And especially for people who haven't been back to their homeland, I've gotten so many messages of people saying, it felt like I was there. I haven't been there in, there in years. So capturing that feeling, I think was really important for us. One of the things that was really striking in the conversations that you were having with your grandfather is, you know, just his relationship with mortality and the fact that he was like, I've lived a very long life. I know that I'm probably not going to live for much longer. You know, I've had a wonderful time and I'm not afraid of death. Um, And it's rare that you get to see conversations that really go into that space to that level did you have any semblance or any idea of kind of like his feeling about getting older his relationship with the idea of mortality before you started filming or did that really just come out of the conversations that you were having with the camera I think both I definitely had a sense that he always loved to travel and when he wasn't able to travel anymore that was really difficult for him uh when he started building the house the family didn't understand why, 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 what was this new project, right? So that was also a hint of like, oh, what is it that he is trying to do right now um, so late in his life? But, you know, by the time we filmed that conversation, I'd been filming for several years. He was very used to the camera at that point. We both had a very mutual understanding of each other and were very open with each other. And when we did have that conversation, I... I had the feeling he knew, you know, he wasn't going to live very, very, you know, too much longer. Um, But I was always impressed with his resilience, but also just his attitude towards life, period. So I wasn't afraid to ask those questions. And I knew, and I don't think he was ever afraid of leaving either, you know. Um, But I'm glad that I was able to capture that. I think these are conversations that are part of of life just as much as death, you know, I I think. And so having that honesty and transparency, um, yeah, it's, it was very touching, you know, to, to be able to talk to him in that way and him respond the way he did, but it wasn't surprising to me the way he responded. 
um, because family was so much at, at the heart of everything he did. I mean, and in, in having conversations like that, it, it must be a case where like, obviously the, the journey of making this film with him has really evolved, you know, really evolved what your relationship was able to be with him. What, yeah. what are some of those aspects of the relationship that you built with him in those last few years that just wouldn't have existed if it wasn't for you creating this project? And the, you know, again, just like the intimacy between the two of you that existed by the end of this. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, now I feel really an enormous great I'm just feel very grateful to have this film that exists now in our family but also to share with people um and it's been just touching so many people I've, I've been getting so many messages but also um it's funny just yesterday a friend of mine sent me uh, a TikTok video <laughs> that someone made that got over I don't know it was um hundreds of thousands of views of someone just saying how much this film just meant to them, which is in, in, impressive. But I think beyond that, I never imagined that the film would have the reach it has and how I was able to, I still have so many questions, you know, even though I, the film allowed me to get closer to him, I still have a lot of questions. I wish I would have done things differently, especially when I first started out, sometimes I'd interview him and ask questions that sometimes didn't make sense or that, you know, I wasn't patient enough. Um, and so I wish, you know, there's a lot of things, but I'm really proud of what we were able to do with what, what, you know, the material we had. Um, and beyond that, it's just been amazing to see the reach. Uh, my grandfather didn't have the opportunity to really go to the movies. Uh, I don't think he actually stepped foot in a theater. So to see him now, in these spaces, screenings across the country, people responding the way they have. I mean, I don't know. I always think, and my mom and I always talk about it. It's like his spirit in so many ways is guiding this. Um, and it just feels really beautiful. <laughs> it's amazing. And there's also so much poignancy in the film from the voiceover narration that you do. Um, what was that like in terms of of sitting with the material and and kind of sitting with rough cuts and edits and and writing what you wanted the narration to be and kind of thinking in terms of the material what you wanted to also have us know through that? Yeah, I you know it's funny because that voiceover didn't come until uh, we were really at a fine cut of the film. There was no voiceover vignettes, but I remember mentioning to Isidore and my producer, Emma Miller, that there was something missing in the film. Like I wanted always more poetry in it. And it was funny, Isidore creative discussions. And he's like, well, what do you mean by that? Be like, oh, let's have more beautiful landscape shots. And he's like, what is that doing? How is that moving the, the narrative forward? So it was very interesting creative discussions, um, but we landed on inserting more of that poetry of the place and then with the voiceover vignettes, but the process was very collaborative in terms of writing. I was doing a residency with Isidore up at the Jacob Byrne Center. Um, this was actually during pan the pandemic. Um, and we were doing this residency. I would write and he would give notes and Emma would remote, we would remote her it, like through FaceTime and talk. So it was a very collaborative process between uh, all three of us. And, um, you know, Isidore is a, a co-writer on this with the voiceover because he really helped also shape it. So I'd write it and watching the film and the footage we had, I remembered, oh, these were all these experiences I had growing up, but also these feelings 
uh, when I'd go visit. And that's how that very much informed the writing of it. But also like the film was always with me at various, various parts in my life, including, you know, breakups, including job changes. So it was always like this anchor. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm going to write about it in that way because the film has been there during all these moments, right? Yeah. And you also have all these shots throughout the film, you know, that go beyond even what you're just filming with your family. You know, it's like there's a sunset happening and there's kind of the silhouette and the shadow of the, the chickens that we see kind of on a rooftop. Um, how did you find those moments and where you wanted to turn the camera away from the subjects and just really give us such a sense of, of space and place? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, with that shot in particular, part of the beauty of being in Durango was you're sort of cut off from everything, right? There's really no internet, limited cell phone service. So sometimes because my grandfather would wake up so early and I'm, look, I'm not a morning person, but I would wake up early and I'd be like, you know, sort of when you're a kid and you go to a new place and you're like, oh, there's all this amazing textures and stuff. And so uh, that was just something I happened to wake up early that morning and just saw them. And I was like, this is, I mean, for me, it was a lot of that stuff is how I see this place. I, and I hope that that translates. It's like that for me was beautiful. And I just was able, right. You know, was able to capture it in that moment. So that's how we, you know, settled in on, on bringing some of that material that I had shot over a few years. Cause there's a lot of that, but um, some of those are like my favorite moments because it was just me sometimes just with the camera no one else. And just sort of, this is, this is how it felt in that moment to be there. And, and with the fact he was building this house throughout the, the filming of the movie as well, um, you know, it feels like that kind of anchors a lot of the structure. And so how did that provide a, a foundation of, okay, this is how we're telling the story. And if the house is half built, this is where we feel like we want to be narratively in the edit. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I attribute all of, so much of that. I mean, to Isidore, who's just an amazing collaborator and editor. Um, and the house wasn't uh, in that, in, in the rough cut that I had presented to him. I later went and shot that because he had not, my grandfather had not started that process yet. So then we, I went to go shoot it, but then we discovered that the, the best material was that. And so that's how we narratively started to structure it. It's like, oh, the construction of it. And then at the same time, how is the relationship with him and I evolving, right? And his own thoughts on mortality, and separation from the family, not being able to travel. So, so the, the house really was able to be this beautiful metaphor for all of it and, and, and it helped to structure the film. And, and towards the end of the film, when there's those moments where, you know, we see your entire family around his bedside, um, kind of holding a, holding vigil for him as he's close to passing, you know, those moments are, are so beautiful to watch and, and really emotional in the film. But I also know that for you, that the most important thing at that time was being there with your family and you kind of just, it sounds like it was just you with like a small camera and, you know, I'm only going to film in the moments where it feels like I should, but I'm really going to focus on being with, with family. And so how did your relationship with the film almost change in, in that moment mm -hmm. where instead of it being the film that was driving things, it was just, I'm just here with my family. And if there's a moment where it makes sense to pull out the camera, then I will. Yeah. That moment. Um, yeah. It was just me uh, filming on my cell phone. It was just, yeah, I didn't have anyone there with me. Um, when my grandfather got really sick, you know, the doctor uh, told the family, 
you should come if you want to say goodbye. So I went with my mom um, and I didn't want to film anything. I mean, I brought my cell phone. I brought a small uh, camcorder in case, but I only filmed what I felt I, I wanted to film in the moments. You know, I, it was a strange process because I didn't think I'd be filming all of this. I, I really wanted to finish this film so my grandfather could see it. And before this all happened, um, yeah. And I think at that moment, it really felt like this is, you know, the film is a film, but this is my family and it's more important than to film, you know, and I, you know, I'm sure there, and we were really careful too in the edit to try to, to be very respectful of what we were showing and whatnot. Um, but even in the process of filming those final moments, um, I, yeah, I think being there with the family definitely took priority, right, over getting a scene. So, um, yeah. I really, really love that, that that was kind of the dynamic towards the end of filming. And, you know, lastly, just wanted to ask a little bit about the editing process with Isidore, because it's such a monumental amount of footage that, that you created over the course of seven years. And so was it something where were you kind of creating rough cuts and different versions as you were going along and and kind of like what what was just like the initial starting point of starting to take what you'd been filming at the beginning and really just starting to find where you were going to hone in where you were going to kind of narrow it down and what the heart and the core of the story was going to be yeah I so when I met Isidore um we started working remotely he's actually based in Madrid and I'm here in Austin uh, someone recommended I reach out to him and I did. And that's when he sent me all these notes and it wasn't first uh, like, Oh, we're agreed to work with each other. He really presented me with this amazing challenge that I've never had an editor present me with. He told me, okay, I see what you have. These are, these are the things I see. And I, um, I think these are the way we could possibly, you know, it was, it was all very constructive criticism and he asked me, go back to your material, send me a string out of things that that you love, of things that frustrate you, of things that irk you, like all of that. And so I just would send him stuff and we would talk about it extensively. And then when I filmed uh, the construction of the house, I sent him some of that material. And so we slowly agreed to, to work together, but it was a process of like understanding, of understanding each other too. And then right before the pandemic hit, I was lucky enough to be able to go spend 10 days with him in person. And we, we came up with an assembly, but because of the, when the pandemic hit, then the rest of the time it was always remote. So we would, he'd send me cuts. We would, we would talk kind of like how you and I are doing now and on uh, Skype also just, um, you know, do that and, and text each other a lot. I mean, it was really <laughs> a very strange process to edit a personal film in this way. Um, but one that I'm so grateful for. And eventually we were able to do like one or two in-person residencies when the pandemic was getting a little better, but it was a lot of, I really, you know, trust, trusted him. And I, from the onset, from his point of view and, and the, um, the notes he gave me. So yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting, like, how it evolved into us really working together. But the whole time, I think it was like more one or two years. I forget now. It's all seems a, a little of a blur, but. It's been so fascinating to hear all of these details and and kind of how you navigated filming through this process over several years. You know, it's, it's a beautiful film. So congratulations on it. And thank you so much, Ileana. 
Thank you so much for having me. It was, an, it was so nice talking to you.